When you strip it all away and look at the resume, Purdue should clearly still be number one in the poll. The AP got it wrong this week. You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, what's up? Welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, the only daily national college hoop show out there. We're your hosts. He's Andy Patton. I'm Isaac Shade, and we are so glad to be with you today. Big thanks to you everydayers for joining us to get your college basketball content every day. If you are not an everydayer, maybe you're a guest or you just found us somewhere somehow, welcome. We're so glad you're here. We'd love to have you as a bigger part of our community. We have a Discord chat where college basketball talks going on every single day. The link for that is in the show notes. Hey, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Coming up on the show today, Mr. Patton, we're going to look at where uh, we are divergent in our locked on top 25 poll from the AP poll. We're going to get stuff ready for tonight's action, including... Woo, Kansas State going to take on Baylor again. Jerome Tang swept his mentor last year. Will he run it back? And we had a nice little uh, Big East MLK Day game mid-afternoon. Andy, that was fun to do while watching eat, watching lunch, eating lunch. So anyway, Andy, it's Trivia Tuesday, and it's my turn to ask you today. Currently, there is one top 25 team in the net that has zero quad one wins. My question mm. to you is very simply, who is that team? All right, so the answer for that, folks, coming up at the end of the show, and that's as of Monday's rankings, by the way, not Tuesday. So we haven't seen that update yet. All right, Andy, very simple question to uh, pose here at the beginning of today's conversation. I'll pull up our poll on screen for those watching on YouTube here in a second, but here it is. You and I and Leaf, the Locked On 25 poll, we have Purdue still number one. And the AP poll this week, after all the kerfuffle of last week, UConn did not take a loss, and so they slid up to number one by the voters. Why did we get it right <laughs> and the AP voters got it wrong? While you talk, I'll get our poll pulled up. Yeah, it's it, it's a reactionary thing that the AP poll tends to do where they punish teams that lose maybe a little bit more than they should, uh, sometimes reward teams that don't lose more than they should. I don't think that UConn shouldn't be rewarded. In fact, I, I moved them up to number two. I know you had them up to number two. I think that's where they should be. They should absolutely be number two. But a resume comparison between Purdue and UConn, just looking at the full season, not just last week, I'll look at the full season there's very little argument for UConn being ahead of Purdue. Both teams are 15 and two. Purdue's losses are, of course, both in the Big Ten at Northwestern, at Nebraska. UConn's two losses at Kansas and at Seton Hall. Certainly, I think Kansas is the most notable loss out of those out of those four, and I think that's part of what people are using here. But by pretty much no other metric do you do you see an argument for UConn as the better team. Both these teams are fantastic. That's not right. trying to denigrate UConn in any way, but Purdue is second in Ken Palm. They're third in the net. UConn is seventh at Ken Palm. They're tenth in the net. Meanwhile, Purdue is six and two in quad one games, whereas UConn is only four and two. So Purdue's got two more quad one victories. Both are three and zero oh in quad two games, but UConn does not have any quad three games, and they are eight and zero oh 
in quad four, whereas Purdue is 3-0 in quad two, 3-0 in quad three, and 3-0 in quad four. So you're looking at two 15-2 teams, whereas this Purdue team has played better teams. They have beat better teams. They have more quad one victories. I understand the argument that if you were to just compare Northwestern and Nebraska to Kansas and Seton Hall, you would pick Kansas and Seton Hall as better teams. But looking at everything else involved in these decisions, Purdue has a better resume. And I think they still deserve to be number one, despite these two losses. I think these two teams are close. I think that they're definitely one and two. To me, there's a pretty decent gap between one and two, and then where we had Kansas at three, and then Carolina and a handful of other teams. But to me, Purdue should still be the number one team in the country, and I'm kind of surprised that's not how it shook out uh, in the AP poll. Yeah, Andy, that's it's so funny because when we get to this point, you know, people are like, well, you can't make all these mini comparisons. That's all we have to go on Mm -hmm. when you get to this top level where, as you said, we've got these two very elite teams. Mm -hmm. All you can do is look at the nittiest of nitty gritty things because end of the day, these are both two phenomenal basketball teams that right here, as we sit here in mid January, um, I could see either one of them being the last team standing when this thing is all said and done in one shining moments playing. And so that's great. Now I know we're all going to get upset and you know, whatever, because that's what we do. And that's why rankings are fun. and, And we talk about it, but Andy, after a week like last week, where there was so much turmoil, so much everything, mm-hmm. this is what we had to do. We had to strip away everything. Like usually yeah. we're just kind of shifting teams around like, oh, this team lost. We can probably nudge them down mm-hmm. one or two and that team won or just held on and, you know, whatever. In a week with all of last week's mm-hmm. just ridiculousness, you got to just scrap it all, yeah. start over. And that's why we start looking at these resumes. And it's like, man, when you compare that, just like you said, I cannot find a compelling case mm-hmm. to move UConn up over Purdue because Purdue still has the best resume in our sport. Right. And I think, I mean, I, I moved UConn, you, we moved UConn up over Kansas, which I know, you know, they lost to Kansas. So there's some people like to use like head to head matchups as a, a sort of a, com- a comparison too. but UConn deserved to move up over teams that did lose last week. And that is what happened. They moved up over Houston, uh, which obviously Houston lost twice. That's a big factor. They moved up over Kansas, who I think they have a better resume than despite that head to head matchup. But again, they run into that Purdue conversation where I don't think you just blindly move every team that lost down spot and then just hand UConn the number one spot. That's what a lot of voters do. And I just, I don't think that that's the right way to go about it. I think UConn deserved to move up. North Carolina deserved to move up. Both those teams did move into favorable spots because they took care of business. Carolina is a top five team. That's a great story for them because, you know, they have taken care of business. They've not lost games that they shouldn't lose. Villanova is their worst loss. And it's, it's not that bad of a loss for them. We'll talk a bit more about the Wildcats later, but Carolina has taken care of business. UConn has taken care of business. They get rewarded by moving up. But at the end of the day, UConn's resume is not better than Purdue's. And I don't think they deserve to move over them simply because Purdue lost a game last week and UConn didn't. Like, that's not a good enough reason for me, uh, all things considered. And and what's funny, Andy, you talked about that gap from UConn and Purdue down Mm -hmm. to just beneath them. As you look at the AP voting, Mm -hmm. uh, UConn got 39 first place votes, Purdue 20, Mm -hmm. and they were both in the 1500s of points. And then there was that cutoff where Kansas at three and Carolina at four were Mm -hmm. both in the 1400s of points. Uh, Kansas had three first place votes, Carolina one. But then there was an even bigger drop off from North Carolina down to Houston at five. Mm -hmm. And so you almost have this 
kind of consensus tier one, consensus tier two, yeah. and then uh, a big rift after that mm-hmm. down to, to Houston and Tennessee and Duke at five, six, seven, Kentucky mm-hmm. at eight. And so, you know, I mean, as we look at it today, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, we start seeing bracketology this week where UConn, Purdue, Kansas, and North Carolina are our four one seeds yeah. at those various things. And that is kind of crazy to think about um, mm-hmm. as we look back at everything UConn lost. And we thought they would be good preseason, mm-hmm. but not right here. And we yeah. look at what North Carolina was last year. And then this year, everyone needing to be like, well, I got to learn to trust you again after what you did to me last year. Mm-hmm. And then them being here. So Purdue and Kansas, we expected them. But as you said, really need to see UConn and North Carolina just surviving. Duke did the same last mm-hmm. week as well. And everyone else just kind of taking L's. Yeah. This is what happens in conference play. Absolutely. Yeah. I think if you were to tell me that the, the four one seeds in mid-January, again, assuming that's who Bracketology projects, would be Purdue, Kansas, UConn, and North Carolina. There's only one team out of that group of four that would genuinely have surprised me before the season, and that's, of course, the Tar Heels. Uh, what, what a run for them to be in this conversation somewhat quietly, I think, kind of in this in this kind of spot that they've been in. They've been you know, good in the ACC. They've taken care of their business there. Their losses are all very, very understandable losses to very good teams. They're blowing out teams at times. Like this Carolina team is, is quietly very good. And I think the the addition by subtraction of, of losing Caleb Love in the transfer portal and allowing RJ Davis to take on a bigger role offensively. I mean, my goodness, he has been one of the best players in the entire country unquestionably with his performance. And you and I talked a lot in the preseason about the the hope of, of a role that Harrison Ingram could fill for this team. And he's really wow. stepped into that role very nicely for this team. And, and the youth has been, you know, up and down at times for Carolina, but having a balance of, of veteran guys like Davis and like, of course, Armando Baycott, and then having some younger players who can kind of make mistakes in this offense, in the system, and still have it not impact the team the way that it might have in years past. I think it's a testament to very good roster construction. And really, I think uh, giving flowers to Hubert Davis for doing a really fantastic job with the group that he has and and putting this team in a position that we are talking about them as a one seed in mid-January, which uh, is not a conversation we had at all last year. And many didn't think we'd be having this year either. Yeah, it's really crazy, Andy. Congrats to Hubert Davis for that. RJ Davis, you mentioned he's up to seventh at the Ken Palm Player of the Year standings behind only Kyle Filipowski in the ACC right now. Well, Isaac, we talked about the top five teams for the most part in our rankings in the AP poll. But what I want to do now is kind of look at some of these other teams. In particular, why is the AP poll so down on Auburn? The Tigers have done nothing to merit being outside the top 10 at this point. We're going to talk about that. We're also going to discuss Marquette's much-needed win over Villanova on Monday. But first... Today's episode of Locked On College Basketball is brought to you by Jace Medical. And I know folks come to sports to escape some of the crazy realities of life, but I want to talk for a minute about preparing for when those real life events happen. Because according to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. And I can't imagine a more helpless feeling than if someone I loved was getting sick while a supply chain issue kept them from the life-saving medication that they needed. Thankfully, there's Jace Medical. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, and skin infections, among others. This could happen to any one of us. So visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed at a licensed pharmacy at just a fraction of the regular cost. It has never been more important to be prepared than today. 
So go to jacemedical.com and use offer code LOCKEDON to get $20 off your order. All right, Isaac, talked about those top five teams, talked about our disagreements with the AP voters regarding Purdue and UConn, but those were not the only differences between our Locked On College Basketball poll and the AP poll. For those of you on YouTube, you can see our top 25 showing up on the screen, but there was a handful of, of teams that we had five or more spots different than where they ended up showing up in the AP poll. So Isaac, I'm just going to read you those teams where we rank them, where the AP voters rank them, and we can kind of uh, talk about the differences there and kind of what, where, why we disagreed. We'll start with Auburn. Auburn, we had them sixth in our AP poll, uh, the or excuse me, in our poll, the Lockdown College Basketball Poll. The AP <laughs> voters had them 13th. Arizona, we had seventh, one spot lower. Meanwhile, the AP voters had them 12th. Iowa State, we had 18th. AP had them 24th. And then Seton Hall, who came in 21st on our poll, although they were not ranked by all three of us. That's just how aggregate ranking shows up. <laughs> uh, and Seton Hall was in the others receiving votes category uh, for the AP poll. So uh, any of those teams in particular that you want to kind of jump off with and start with in terms of our differences with the with the AP voters? Andy, I think we've got to start with Auburn. Yeah. Uh, you know, like it's so funny because sometimes we'll see teams that aren't getting voter love, but the computers love them. And sometimes it's like a team is just basically like fooling the computers, but sometimes teams will round into their, their computer love. And that's kind of what Auburn's mm -hmm. done. You know, they were ranked so high in Ken Palm for so long, and now they're showing why they're up to fourth at Ken Palm right now. Um, as we record, they're eighth in the net at Torvik Auburn is fit. I mean, so it's like, they're doing the work here. And how, how many times, Andy, have we had the discussion this year? Well, mm -hmm. remember Auburn lost that season opening game yeah. to Baylor on a neutral in that game at, um, at App yeah. State that, you know, like that, that's still it. Andy, mm -hmm. that's the only loss right now. Auburn has nine straight wins. Um, only one of them away from home. That's, that's just the one thing is, Auburn's only played two road games right now, one at Arkansas and then that loss at App State. Um, but they're starting to get a couple better wins. That, that, you know, Texas A&M last week, that, that win looks better and better, especially after the Aggies beat in Kentucky over the weekend. They get Vandy on the road this week. But, Andy, here's where I think we're really going to start to learn uh, kind of more about this Auburn team. Is Let me give you, after Vandy, let me give you their next three games it's funny. It's kind of a Vandy sandwich, actually. So uh, Saturday, they're home against Ole Miss. Next week, midweek, they're at Alabama and then at Mississippi State on the weekend. And then they play Vandy again. So uh, that, that three-game stretch, I think, is going to tell us a lot more about Auburn. But for what they're doing right now, kind of similar to what we just said about UConn and North Carolina and Duke, they're just winning the games that are in front of them and letting everyone else kind of fall behind them. Mm -hmm. And that, that's all you can ask for. We talked about R.J. Davis being way up there yeah. in, in the uh, Ken Palm Player of the Year stuff. Janai Broom, good grief, where was he at? He is fifth on that mm -hmm. list right now. And so what a great year he's having for Bruce Pearl. Uh, we all, you, Leaf, and I all had Auburn. You and I were eight, mm -hmm. Leaf four. And I think this is a better spot for them to be than mm -hmm. where the AP poll has them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what happens a lot of the time is that uh, teams that blow out other teams, especially if they're blowing out like decent teams, don't get respected as much by the AP voters. And I understand that a lot of AP voters are looking at win-loss record. They're not necessarily looking at margin of victory, whereas the computers are taking that into account. But like 
Auburn has been blowing out teams. They obliterated USC, who granted has not been very good. That has not helped Auburn's resume as much as it should have. They blew out Indiana, who's better than I think a lot of people give them credit for. Uh, they blew out Arkansas on the road. I mean, absolutely destroyed the Hogs at Bud Walton Arena. That didn't happen very <laughs> often. And I agree that Auburn's SEC schedule has been a little cushy to start, and that certainly helps them. Uh, but that Texas A&M loss, like you said, is aging well. LSU is not great, but they're Texas not a win. Sorry, say. yes, the Texas A&M win is aging well for them. Uh, so to me, I think that Auburn has done everything you asked of them. I think that if voters are holding the App State loss against them, yeah. uh, that's a little unfair if you take that loss out. And I know that just removing losses isn't the way it works. But if they took care of that game, all of a sudden this is a one-loss Auburn team, there's no way in my mind that they're not in the top five. And I think that they, they absolutely deserve to be in that conversation. Like you said, we had them eighth, so just outside that top five. Uh, sixth is is a tiny bit high, in my opinion, but they're a top 10 team unquestionably, and I'm uh, the AP voters clearly don't agree, and I'm wondering what it'll take uh, for that to change for them. Andy, what about out of the rest of those teams, Arizona, Iowa State, and Seton Hall? Yeah, to me, the, the difference with Arizona is kind of minimal. I think there's a lot of teams kind of all bunched together in that 7 to 12 range. So I don't think that's that egregious necessarily. They got a little bit more penalized than I probably would have penalized them for, for the loss to Wazoo, but that's fine. Iowa State between 18 and 24 is kind of marginal. I'm curious about Seton Hall a little bit because they have started receiving votes. I personally did not have them in my top 25, but I think there is an absolute argument for them to be in the top 25. Uh, they're a five-loss team. Ken Palm in the net. Don't love them yet. 64th <laughs> at Ken Palm, 66th in the net. But this team is 5-1 and one in the Big East. Uh, this team has beat UConn. They beat Marquette. Uh, they beat Providence. Providence. They, this is a team that has taken care of business. Kadari Richmond looks like one of the best guards in, in the Big East and in the country, the way that he's been playing. Like, I'm not quite there with the Pirates, but I, they're getting close. And I'll be really interested to see they got St. John's on Tuesday night. We can talk about that game a little bit later. I'm really intrigued by what that matchup's going to do for the Pirates. But they're a, one of the more intriguing just outside the top 25 teams for me. And they ended up cracking our, our list at 21st. And I, I'm curious to see what, what the rest of their season is going to look like for Shaheen Holloway's squad. Well, and what's interesting, Andy, is... Um, four of their last five Big East games have been on the road. Mm -hmm. So their reward now is that they get three straight at home against St. John's, Creighton, and Providence. Mm -hmm. So big-time opportunities to get those kind of teams at home. And if you can go even two and one there, you know, maybe you drop the Creighton game or something, you got to feel really good about being seven and two at that point because mm -hmm. then you go to Marquette, but then DePaul and Georgetown. So it's like they're, they're – Look, Seton Hall's putting themselves in good position. Same as you. I was not, I was not quite ready to rank Seton Hall. I just mm. I looked at them. I was looking at their resume with a couple others. I needed one more team to go into my uh top 25, but Seton Hall just barely missed that cut for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we, we had a couple other teams that we were kind of close on. Alabama, who we'll talk about more, uh, it's still undefeated in the SEC. I think they're getting closer to being in that conversation. FAU, Ole Miss, Colorado State, St. John's kind of all in that conversation as well. Lots of teams kind of vying for those last spots. And I uh, wanted to talk real quickly about uh, this game that we saw on MLK Day between two Big East stalwarts, Marquette and Villanova. Marquette ran away with this thing. Like, it was tied 57-57 with a little under 10 minutes to go. And from there, 
on. Uh, Marquette just took care of business, 30 to 17 run. They ended up winning this game by 13 points. Cam Jones, absolute beast for the Golden Eagles in this one. 22 points on 10 of 12 shooting. It was a double-double for Tyler Kolek as well, 21 points, 11 assists. He really needed it. Uh, he's had a really rough shooting stretch for, for Marquette the last couple of games. He was still only one of five from three in this one, but managed to finish with a really nice line overall. Uh, Marquette's now up to three and three. In the Big East, they have struggled so far in conference play, but this was a huge and, like I said, much, much needed victory for this team. Villanova, 4-2, and two, haven't played a super tough schedule yet. Uh, they've beat DePaul twice for two of their four victories, so, you know, they kind of got to take that with a bit of a grain of salt. <laughs> but uh, this was a really fun game, and I think Marquette is probably breathing a big sigh of relief uh, to at least get back into 500 uh, in the Big East. Well, when you th- think about it this way, Andy, I was thinking about this uh, as the game was going on. Marquette won the Big East regular season last year. You know how many, uh, what their record, conference record was? What? 17 and three. Wow. They have already (laughs) the amount of losses they did in the entirety of last year's conference regular season. So losing this game would have dropped them below that Mm. in the first six games of the Big East slate. Uh, so I'm not saying that Marquette can't turn this thing around. I'm not saying that Marquette's not going to go on a 14 and 0 run the rest of the regular season but it is not looking like they are going to do the exact same thing they did last year. So uh, maybe uh, maybe losing, uh, you know, a little bit of personnel did change things more than maybe we all anticipated it was. Yeah. Andy, got some good games on Tuesday. While Monday was kind of a sleepy kind of day of basketball, Tuesday gets it going again. Quite a few ranked teams going on the road again. Are we, oh, is it going to be a repeat of last week? I sure hope not but I kind of hope so because I like the chaos. <laughs> Could more upsets be brewing? We'll discuss that in just a second. Right after I tell you that this episode of Locked on College Basketball is brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL playoffs just kicked off this weekend, and there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is very easy to use, and there's so many different ways to bet. Things like same-game parlays. There's a new Explore tab to help you find the types of bets you want. Andy, we talked about this action coming up on Tuesday. Baylor favored by two and a half as they head to Manhattan to take on Kansas State and Jerome Tang. Is Jerome Tang going to be 3-0 and against Baylor? Woo! If you think so, you could get in on that action or anything else. If you want to do so, visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, Andy, Tuesday night, we have four games in particular we want to spend a little bit of time on, and we'll mention a couple others uh, as well. But if you'll recall, folks, back to last Wednesday, there were seven ranked teams on the road at unranked teams. It was a dreadful week for ranked teams playing unranked teams in total. uh, 14, Andy, was the final total, correct, that we talked about yesterday? Ridiculous. So, Two of them we want to mention in particular that are happening tonight. We mentioned the Baylor at K-State game. We'll get to that in a second. But the first one, number one in our poll, Purdue going on the road to Indiana, 7 Eastern time on Peacock. I couldn't watch the Chiefs on Sunday, on whenever that was, and I can't watch this one either. But FanDuel has the line, Purdue minus 9.5. Andy, 
assembly hall at Indiana. It feels like the very tip top row might fall over onto the court <laughs> at any moment. It's so vertically tall, but it is an insanely difficult place to go play. And let's not forget the Boilermakers right now are one and two on the road. Can Matt Painter's team Kate Terry? <laughs> take care of business in this one. Take care of business, Andy. <laughs> I love cake and I love to tear it apart. That must be it. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited about this game a lot. I, I think Purdue is probably going to win, but they are one and two on the road, like you said. And this is as in, as kind of intense of a road environment as you're going to face in the Big Ten in college basketball. Frankly, Bloomington absolutely blows up for these games. Assembly Hall is going to be a, a really, really hostile environment against Zach Eady, against the Boilermakers. Uh, Indiana's, they got five losses. The resume has never really been uh, in that top 25 conversation super seriously, but I think this is a team that's a little better than people might give them credit for. Their losses are not that bad. Uh, lost to UConn, lost to Auburn, lost to Kansas. I mean, those are three of the top 10 teams in our, uh, in our poll. They also have that at Nebraska, at Rutgers. Like, this is a good team that has played a, a good, tough schedule. I think the combination of, of Khalil, Khalil Ware and Malik Renault in the front court could be problematic for Edie, depending on, especially if they can pull him away from the rim defensively with Ware's outside shooting. I think there's a lot of intrigue in this game. Uh, I'm really excited to see if, if Indiana can potentially pull an upset here uh, or if Purdue is going to kind of prove why they are that number one team and go, <laughs> go on the road and get a victory. Well, and, and for Indiana, man, they're sitting at four and two right now, and that's great, but you don't want to lose this one because, Andy, let me tell you about this three-game stretch they have. First Purdue tonight, then they're on the road at Wisconsin and on the road at Illinois. I don't need to tell you that that four and two conference record could very easily yeah. turn into four and five over the course of the next three games. Andy, the other ranked team heading on the road, and there's several others. We'll fly by those in a little bit. But the other big one we want to talk about is number 11, Baylor, going on the road at Kansas State, 8 Eastern tonight on ESPN+. Plus. What are we doing? Come on. <laughs> FanDuel has this one. Baylor, the road team, by two and a half, Andy. Very interesting. And we, you know, talking about not needing to remind you, K-State. In Jerome Tang's first year out from under, not, that makes it sound like he was under some evil tyranny, uh, <laughs> not being on Scott Drew's coaching staff anymore. Jerome Tang and the Wildcats last year, go Wildcats, won 97-95, an overtime victory in Waco in early January, and then 75-65 at home in Manhattan in late February. I would not have ever guessed that, but the way things are going this year, uh, it's not quite as good for Kansas State as last year. Andy? Can yeah, Baylor take care of this one. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I, I Kansas State, you know, not having Naquan Tomlin this year has been a problem for them. They were not expecting. Uh, Arthur Kaluma is good. Uh, Tyler Perry is good, but they weren't able to replicate the success they had last year with Marquise Noel with Keontae Johnson. Uh, this Kansas State team just not as good as they were last year. Meanwhile, Baylor has looked fantastic. They've had some, you know, some issues. They had a really, really horrible half of basketball against Michigan State. But really, outside of that, this Baylor team has been pretty darn good. Jacoby Walters stepped into that Keontae George role very admirably for this team. I think that Baylor is the Honestly, I think they're significantly better team than Kansas State, and I think that that's going to be the result. Uh, but Jerome Tang is an excellent coach. He knows what's going to be coming from Scott Drew's squad, and I think uh, they have a, the opportunity to make this much closer. And if it stays close throughout, perhaps that crowd in Manhattan can get this thing uh, really, really going and get under Baylor's skin a little bit. But the Bears are a better team. I think they're going to win. 
I think so as well. Let's kind of flip the ranked team and the not ranked team. St. John's is at Seton Hall tonight, number 21 in our poll, 830 Eastern on FS1. Ken Palm has the line because there's no FanDuel line for it yet. The Johnnies by one on the road, Andy. Yeah, I think St. John's going to win this one. Uh, I think Seton Hall's, uh, they've played fantastic basketball, but Rick Pitino is a phenomenal coach. And and this, I mean, the St. John's team, they're getting votes in the AP poll. I know we had uh, them under consideration uh, for our poll as well. And, and they're four and two in the Big East. Their losses are at Creighton by four and at UConn by one. Yeah, That's it. Those are the only two losses for Rick Pitino in the Big East so far this year. They're 12-5, and five, like we said, on the year. Uh, I think this is a really fun matchup between two teams that are, are defensively focused that I think uh, the Kadari Richmond versus the Dennis Jenkins, Jordan Dingle backcourt for St. John's is going to be really fun. Uh, but I do think that St. John's is going to go on the road, pick up a victory. Uh, it'll kind of quell those conversations about Seton Hall being a ranked team, uh, but it'll also put St. John's squarely in that conversation uh, next week when we start doing our polls again we might end up having the johnny ranked big soriano game here yes absolutely I, I, again seeing all the great defensive team but i think soriano is going to be a huge factor uh, for rick patino's team i agree with you there andy we've got one ranked on ranked matchup and it's back in the big 12 number 18 iowa state at 23 byu nine eastern on ESPN Plus, FanDuel has it BYU minus four and a half. Folks, I got. I hope you got all the streaming stuff because you ain't going to be watching it on network TV tonight. I'm telling you that right <laughs> now. Andy, can Iowa State continue to prove what we've been really curious to see if they could, that their computer love is legit? The thing that I like about this matchup a lot is that it's kind of it's two tough things like BYU, their ability to play in the Big 12. Can they continue night in and night out to play the kind of schedule that you have to play in the Big 12? Meanwhile, the Marriott Center is a, is a tough, tough place to play. And, and I think as, as as many people have kept saying like, oh, is BYU going to be able to prove it night in, night out, blah, blah, blah. The same conversations they're having with Houston, with Cincinnati. Uh, but at the same time, like all these teams now have to go to Provo, Utah and play at the Marriott Center. And it's a really tough place to play. And I think that that might be something that really frazzles this good Cyclones team in Iowa State. And I, BYU has proven that, yeah, the Big 12 is a little tougher for them than maybe. I don't know that they didn't anticipate it being tough, but it has not <laughs> matched the same success they had in the non-conference. Let's put it that way. But I think Iowa State is going to be in for a real surprise at the Marriott Center. And I think BYU is going to pick up a, a victory here and kind of reestablish that, hey, we're not going to be some doormat in the Big 12. We're still really good team and we're still capable of of picking up really nice victories especially at home andy it's trivia tuesday and here it is there is currently one top 25 team in the net with zero quad one wins my question to you sir very simply who is that team so i think this has changed but i know for a long time that alabama didn't have any quad one wins that exactly. was correct they now yeah. have two of them okay. and so i'll tell you this mm -hmm. you are in the right state you are oh. in the right conference, but you got the wrong team. So is it Auburn then? It is Auburn. Auburn is 0-2 in quad one and number eight in the net overall. Quick bonus question, Andy. Mm -hmm. These are not power six teams, but mm -hmm. there are two other top 40 teams who also don't have any quad one wins. Who are they? Well, I was going to guess Utah State. That's incorrect. Okay. Uh, Indiana State? That is also incorrect. Princeton? Utah State is two and one. Yes, there you go. Princeton is zero and zero in quad one. Zero <laughs> quad one games right now. They're 28th in the net. And I'll just give you the other. It's SMU, number 38. They are O and three. 
Nice. I was not going to guess SMU. So I'm yeah, that's why I was like, I'm going to just give you that one. <laughs> that ACC team, by the way. That's right. Well, Isaac, that was a fantastic show. Really looking forward to a really fun slate of games on Tuesday night. And then another phenomenal slate of games on Wednesday. We got really, really good college basketball coming your way. We're going to be back uh, previewing those games, reviewing those games, as well as we get into the the meat of the college basketball schedule. I want to thank all of you for making this show your first listen or your first watch of the day. Remind you to join us on our Discord channel where we're talking college basketball 24-7. It is free to join. And there is a link in the show notes. Until Tuesday, or excuse me, until Wednesday, apologies to the lawyer family. Let's go Wildcats, especially Jerome Tang's squad. And peace out.